right, so look, notice the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where it says, let all things be done decently and in order. Now this chapter here, what he's just been talking about, he's been kind of going through and correcting a lot of problems that were going on in their service. And typically when people go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, we talk about tongues and we debunk the modern day tongue talking that goes on in church. And it's obviously very appropriate to do that. But in reality, he's talking more, he, he's, he's correcting more than just their misuse of tongues in this passage. He's actually rebuking kind of how they're having church. Their church services were basically chaos. It was a mess. I'm going to show you that. Just like pretty much everything was in the Corinthian church. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it's obvious Paul is just correcting all kinds of problems that this church has. It is very obvious from the book of Corinthians that this church was a mess. It was chaos. And Paul here, he's rebuking them for how their services were being run. I mean, you've got people showing up Everybody's just showing up basically wanting to do their own thing. This service, this church clearly had no order of service. And things were out of order. And so he's given them instructions on how they need to do some things. And, and really what I believe he's doing here is he's kind of making some suggestions to them. He's not necessarily laying out commands. This is how a church service should be run. But he's basically trying to get these people to just back up a little bit and say, you know, you guys need to have some order to how you do things. And then he ends this, pa this passage by saying, let everything be done decently and in order. And I'm kicking off a, series, a short series of messages I want to preach on called Decently and in Order. And we're going to look at a few different things in churches that are to be done decently and in order. And what we're looking at tonight is basically the order of service. All right? In other words, our, our typical routine that we have in our church, church, our church service. We have a routine where we pretty much kick things off with a song. We have prayer. We have a song. We have an offering. We have preaching. You know, we, we've, we've got a routine, don't we? Now, is our routine that we have... Is it Bible-based? I think it is Bible-based. It's Bible-based, but is it, is it to the letter? Does the Bible explain exactly what our order of service should be? No, it does not. Did you know that there, there is a lot of things that the Bible does not spell out how we are supposed to do these things? And did you also know that many of these things where the Bible does not just spell it out for us, God has actually authorized the church to decide how these things should be done. And there are many, there are many things that we do as a church. There are many things that other churches do as a church. And what they do is Bible based. Okay. In other words, have you ever heard, you know, you've heard this movie is based on a true story. But generally, if you maybe read the book written by the individual, telling about what actually happened, and then you watch the movie, is it usually exactly the same? No, usually there's great differences, aren't there? But it's based on a true story. You know, the basic premise is there. And so when we say what we do in our church services are Bible-based, it's not necessarily going to be exactly like they did it in the Bible days. Because first off, we don't know exactly how they did every little thing. We, we don't know that for sure. Okay? We have our pulpit in the middle 
of the platform. Have you ever been to a Protestant church or a Catholic church? They have it on the side. You know? Now, is that wrong? You know? I've heard preachers get up and say, you know, the Bible says Ezra stood on a pulpit of wood. You know, and they use that to preach against glass pulpits. Now, I don't think the fact that the Bible says Ezra stood on... Am I standing on this pulpit? No. Is, is the fact that it says that Ezra stood on a pulpit of wood, is that a command for us to use wooden pulpits? Okay. Now, I don't want a glass pulpit because I don't want to look like a trendy. I don't want to look like a charismatic. But is it unbiblical to have a glass pulpit? No. Now, if, But I've heard preachers get and preach it like it's a command not to have a wooden pulpit because Ezra stood on a pulpit of wood. That is stupid Bible interpretation right there. And often, people will take a verse, especially from the book of Acts. And I'm going to show a lot of examples of this over the next week. Every crowd does it. Brother Hugo mentioned this morning, Pentecostals. They often say, hey, look, look at what they did at Acts and they make a Bible command out of it. You know who else does that? Seventh-day Adventists. When they show where Paul would meet on the first day of the week. That proves we ought to have church on Saturday. Did you know the Bible? And then I've heard Baptists get up and they'll prove the way they prove that we're supposed to have church on Sunday is John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Okay. How does that church on Sunday? And are we sure the Lord's Day is Sunday? I mean, I think it is. But can I prove that dogmatically from the I don't know I really can. I, I haven't heard anybody do it. I'm not saying it can't be done. But I don't really know how to prove that. Who's right? Do we, are we supposed to have church on Sunday or Saturday? You know what? It's up to the church. It is up to the church. The church has the right and it has the authority to decide the best time, the best place to meet. And obviously, if somebody wanted to have church on Monday... I don't know that I can necessarily say that's unbiblical. I would say that is very impractical in our culture if you're going to try to have services on a Monday morning. Because what do we do in our culture? Most people go to work on Monday morning and your church probably is not going to thrive. It's probably not going to do real good if you have services on a Monday morning. Not in this culture. And the fact that traditionally, okay, people like to freak out by tradition, but traditionally, Christians go to church on Sunday. And so if we as a church, we want to decide we're having church on Sunday, we have the right and the authority to do that. And it's inappropriate to go and take an example and say, well, look, this is what they did. Okay. Now, it's okay to say, well, then let's do that too based on what they did. But to go and say, this is a Bible command, that's inappropriate. You all get where I'm going with what I'm saying on this. We're going to look at a lot of examples on this where people, they get way too dogmatic with Scriptures that they shouldn't be getting dogmatic with. That's wrong. That's inappropriate. You know, people will talk about how the Apostle Paul, he broke bread and taught doctrine from house to house. Teaching the Lord's Supper ought to be done from house to house. Well, then that's when we ought to teach doctrine too. And now the house church people are right. Because they'll use those same passages to prove we ought to have church in houses. Because that's what they did in the book of Acts. Well, you know why they did that in the book of Acts? Because they were just getting started. Churches weren't established yet. They hadn't grown yet. It wasn't practical. 
You know, it wasn't even a thought yet to have a building, but later on, as churches grew, as there were too many people to fit in one house, a church had the authority, they had the right to say, you know what, let's find a bigger place. If they were in a place that had some freedom, they had the authority to say, let's find a public place. Let's find a place centrally located where we can meet, reach as many people as possible. When it comes to soul winning, okay, our soul winning that we do, it's Bible based. Okay, for example, we go house to house. But is that the only way to soul win? No, that's not the only way to soul win. You know, there's some places where going house to house might not be the best way. There's some cultures that that might not be the best way. There's some places in the country, you know, you go down into, you know, Hickville somewhere, you know, you go out on some guy's property, you might blow your head off. You know, I mean, some redneck that's out there, you might not want to do it that way. Sometimes people, they like go into cities and they go walk streets where the crowds are and try to talk to people one-on-one. There's all kinds of ways that you can do things, but what happens is some, you know, moron will read a verse and say, look what they did in the book of Acts. They went house to house. Now that's the only way you can go soul winning. No, that's one way. You know, and I think it's the best way. I think in our culture, I think the way things are today, I think the most effective way to get the gospel to every creature is to go house to house. I, I you know, I think that's I think that's the best way. It's going to be kind of hard for us out here to just get people on the streets where we're at because of the fact that most people drive everywhere out here. Now in the city, more people walk, don't they? In the city, just Giving somebody a street to walk on a public sidewalk, that might actually be more effective than door knocking. Especially if it's a place where everybody's got apartments. You, know, you all see that there's, there's many ways that we can do things. And as a church, we have the right, we have the authority to look at our situation, to look at what we have and what's going on with our congregation, and to say, this is what we should do. And if we happen to point to a verse in the Bible that says, look, they did this in the Bible times, and I think this applies to our situation, we have the right to do that. Now, But what we don't have the right to do is something that works great for us in our situation. We don't have the right to implement that and force that on every other church. You know, We might decide out here that souling time is the best time is 1 o'clock. You know, that's just the best time. You get, we've, we've proved it. Statistically, more doors get answered if you go between 1 and 3 o'clock. And churches that go from 3 to 5, they're just wasting their time. Because, you know, the numbers drop. You, know, what, you realize how dumb that is for us to just go forcing that. Other churches have the right to go sowing the way they do. We have, you know, many of us have a typical spiel, script we use when sowing that we think is effective, that might work good for us, for our personality, with what we know, but do we have the right to force on everyone else? You realize there's some areas where people are allowed to make their own decisions. You all get that? And I'm going to show you that throughout, this, uh, throughout these services. There are th- th- these sermons. There's many areas where we have the right to do that and I find it very aggravating when people... You know, take a verse from the book of Acts and then just try to... Or even in this passage, I'm going to show you an example of what some nut job was doing with one of these passages. It was just stupid. I mean, it was just absolutely stupid what he did with the Scripture. This is very common. It's just it's bad. 
It's bad Bible study habits these people have. It's them trying to find what they want. I mean, I'm sorry, I listened to some of Adam Fannin's preaching justifying his ordination, and I have never heard anything more painful. Anybody butcher the book of Acts more than that guy did. It just, it was painful to listen to. And, you know, just proving what a novice and how unqualified he is to be pastoring a church when I heard what he did with the book of Acts. And so I've had some of this on my heart. You know, there's been different things that have come up, and I think this is appropriate. I think our church needs this. But I want us to look at a few things. specific. And the important thing is, when it comes to our order of service and how we do things, it ought to be done decently and in order. Okay. Now, what does that look like exactly? You know, it could be many different things. But what we are commanded to do is to do it decently in order. So I want, us to, I want us to understand the authority each individual church has. I want us to understand why we do things the way we do in our church and a lot of these things. And I want to show you all, get this, remember this for future weeks, the importance of your local church's authority that it has. There may be other churches who have different methods in certain areas, different ways of doing things than we do, that might be better for them. And you know, it could even possibly, we might even be better off if we did some of those things. But sometimes it doesn't matter which way is best. What matters is who's the proper authority in that situation and you ought to submit to it. And it's okay for you to submit to it. And just because they pulled out a verse from the book of Acts where they did something a certain way, that's not necessarily a Bible command that everyone has to follow in every situation. That's just an example the Bible gave. I might have another example of something that they did a little different somewhere else, and that's how we're going to do it in our church. And you ought to follow, whoever, whatever church you're in, you ought to follow their method for doing those things. And when it comes to the order of service, this is one of the things you ought to follow and you ought to be a part of what our church does. What we have decided to do, what we have come up with, you ought to do it. So I like how this other church does it better. Oh well, that's another church. That's their method. They have the authority to do it how they want to do it. We have the authority to do things how we want to do them here in our church. We feel this works best for us and we have the right to do this Look what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let me remind you of these passages here. Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It looks like Jesus has given Peter quite a bit of authority right here. And listen, the Word of God is our authority, is it not? But in areas where the Bible is silent, God has given the church some authority. There are some areas where God has said the church can do that. The church can decide. Not every little thing has been decided for us in the Bible. God wants us to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And He wants us to come together as a congregation. And He wants us to make some decisions. And you've got morons out there who say, you can't show me in the Bible where that's supposed to be done. Well, if you can't show me in the Bible where what we're doing is not supposed to be done, then you shut up and do what the church is doing. Because we do have some authority. I as a husband, I am in authority over my wife. And I tried pulling this one with my dad when I was younger and it failed miserably. All right? But my dad was in authority over my mom. And often, when I would ask my mom permission for something, 
And I was pretty sure Dad would have answered differently. I would have been like, Dad wouldn't let me do that. My mom would say, well, I said no. And then I would try to tattle on her to my dad and he would always side with my mom. Okay, now, why was that? My dad explained this to me one day because of the fact that, yeah, my dad is in authority over my mom and I tried to say, well, dad's the boss. But the thing is, when dad's not home, guess who he left in charge? He left my mom in charge. And therefore, me submitting to her was submitting to my father's authority. And there are areas where God gave the church authority and as long as those things, the things we do don't violate God's Word, then we have full authority to implement those things. Do you understand that? There are areas where the Bible, the Bible does not give us... We don't, there's no bulletin in the Bible that we can look at to see what the order of things should be. It's not there. We don't, we don't see that at all. But you know what I do think I can show you is where God gave the church authority on some things and I believe God left that up to us. And we've decided to do things the way we're doing it. If you have a suggestion, there's, you know, we can change these things. We might come up with something that we think is better. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you ought to go along with whatever the church has decided. That is right. That is appropriate. It says in Matthew 18, verse 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or one or two more. Then in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever he shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever he shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. In other words, what the church decides on, God's saying, we agree with it in heaven. Just like when I would go to my mom and I would say, I don't think this is what dad would say. And, I would, and then I'd go to dad and he'd say, hey, I'm with your mom's decision. I gave her the authority to make a decision about what she's going to make for supper. And so whatever she's decided, I second that. I'm with it. And there's areas where God has given the church authority. If you want to know what God thinks, He thinks whatever we think. That's what He's saying right here. It says in verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I in the midst of them. God's saying, I'm in on it. I'm a part of it. And when we come together as a church, as a congregation, and we make decisions, and we, and we ought to base those decisions on the Bible, we ought to be in agreement on these things, and when we do, when we come to an agreement, God is in on it. God is a part of it, and we have His blessing, and we have the authority to do that. And I'll teach more on that as we kind of go through some of these. But I just kind of wanted to kick that off. And then now I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because what we, I want to show you some things in here that Paul's teaching, some things that people get a little confused on sometimes. But I want to show you how you should interpret 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this is going to come into play too. Remember this in later weeks as we go to some other chapters. You know, we need to be consistent in how we interpret Scripture. It's very important that we do that. And so Paul in chapter 14, he's rebuking bad behavior that's going on in the church. He's trying to get them to set some things in order that were not in order. And he's trying to get them to do it. He's trying to, he's trying to get these people to just get their act together. He's not, in this chapter, Paul is not trying to detail exactly the way things are supposed to be done. You know why? Because there is no exact way. There just isn't. The Bible does not give us a detailed order of service 
to follow. It's just not there. And so, but people often read the book of Acts. You know, we can see where they read the scriptures. We can see, you know, there's a lot. We can see where they pray together. There's a lot of things like that, that we can see, and we base what we do off what we see. But did they pray first, preach later? Did they preach first, pray later? Did they preach first, sing later? You know, what did they do? I, I don't know for sure. But well, we got to figure that out because we got to make sure our service is biblical. You know how we make sure our service is biblical? We come together, we figure out what we want to do, and we agree on it, and we do it. And then we all do the same thing. And that's, that's, the, that's the key here. And we're going to see some examples of that here in just a little bit. So, uh, so you know, and people, they'll often read 1 Corinthians where Paul's rebuking this bad behavior and he'll give an example. And then they'll act like that's the only way things can be done. That's not what Paul's trying to do in this chapter. So let's go ahead and start reading. Let's start reading in verse 26. Alright? In verse 26, he says, How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done unto edifying. What's he doing? He's like, Why is it that when you all come together, you all have your own thing? Okay? In other words, it would be like today if I came to you. Because this is going to be hard for us to imagine. Because of the fact, since we've started this church, we've had a pretty consistent order of service. But let's just say, like it would have been to them, church is a new thing for us. Okay? We've never been to church before. We don't know what it's like. We know we're supposed to have some singing. We know there's supposed to be some praying. We know there's supposed to be some preaching. Back then, you know, God sometimes did give people the gift of tongues where they could speak another language. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that tonight. We don't do that today. But at the same time, you know, what would they have done? How would they have known exactly how things are supposed to be? So this is going to be kind of hard for us to relate to. Because we've been in church for a long time and we're pretty used to things. But let's just say you've never been to a church service before. And let's say we're all coming together and we're, we know they're supposed to be singing. We know they're supposed to be preaching. We know all these things. But we don't also, we don't have any appointed leader to do those things. And everybody just comes ready to do their own thing. All of a sudden service starts. We don't know who the song leader is. We don't know who's going to be preaching that day. We don't even know what the order of service is. And so all of a sudden, you know, Brother Josh and Brother Aaron, they just approach the platform at the same time. You know, Brother Aaron's like, I I want to do a psalm right now. Brother Josh is like, no, I've already decided on him that I want to sing. I wanted to go first. I really think I need to kick this off. You know, and then I step up. It's like, no, I really felt like I wanted to preach this one sermon today. I've got a doctrine I want to share with everybody. And we just don't even know. Can you imagine if we just all came to church every day? We didn't know who was going to be preaching. We didn't know who was going to be singing. We didn't know who was going to be doing all the things we do. There was no plan. And everybody just comes and everybody's got their own thing that they want to do. And so all of a sudden, you know, Aaron's like, well, I don't care. I decided I'm going to get up and do this song. Josh is like, well, I decided I'm going to do my song. And so then Aaron gets up over here and he's reading a song. Josh is over here singing a song. You know, and then we got one of the ladies in the church. Well, I was really feeling in the spirit today and wanted to speak in tongues, you know. And then she starts speaking in tongues, starts taking over the service, and everybody's just kind of doing their own thing, you know. Well, I wanted to have a time of prayer today, you know. And then we got one person up at the altar praying while all the chaos is going on, and then no, nobody's united. Everyone's just doing their own thing. That's not okay, folks. That's not how church service would be. Now we can't. We have a tough time imagining that. 
But that's exactly what Paul's talking about right here when he's saying, you know, how is it when you come together? But, you know, every one of you have every you've all got your own thing that you're doing. He says, let all things be done unto edifying. You know what we're supposed to be doing? Our church services should be designed in a way to edify the congregation as a whole. Say, so, well, I, I like just more singing. Okay, well, you, maybe you like that more, but you know, as a pastor, as an overseer, you know, I think, you know, I, I try to gauge the congregation. A lot of times we sing too much and too long, people kind of get tired of it. You know, I mean, you, you know, you can sing too much and for too long. You know, and you might want to sing all five verses of Haven of Rest, but it's like, you know, that song is kind of slow, get kind of boring. We're going to really sing that chorus five times. There's five verses in that song, you know. Uh, you know, the people are dying by the fifth verse every time. You know what? I'm cutting a couple verses out if I'm leading the singing. Okay? That, I, I, why? Because I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, they're struggling. Alright? Why is it everybody when we sing this song want to take an opportunity to go to the bathroom? You know, because it's a long song, they know they got time. You know, and it, it's it's not it's not edifying if we do it too long. If you're standing there and one person gets up to say the opening prayer and they're praying a ten minute prayer, while everybody's standing, is, is that going to edify everyone? No, that's not that's not going to be a help. That's not going to be a blessing. And the truth is, as as a pastor, you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm thinking of the congregation as a whole. So when I think about the order of service, I'm thinking, how can we do all the things that we're supposed to do and it benefit as many people as possible? But there's always that one person in the church that's like, I think we need, I want more of this. This is what I like. Well, I'm glad you like that, but you're probably the only one that wants to do that much. You're probably the only one that feels that way about it. We want to think of the congregation as a whole and we've decided we don't want to do that. We don't want to sing 14 songs a day. Huh? That, that that might be what you know a conclusion that we have come to, and many people today, when it comes to what they think should be done for the order of service, it just depends on what they personally like for themselves. No, we as a congregation, we need to figure out hey what will edify the church the most, what will make our services the mo- you know to be the best blessing what will put have us in the right frame of mind you know what will unify us what will edify each other we don't want to discourage people we don't want to make people sing till their throats are bleeding you know we don't want to do things like that we don't want to make them stand you know until their you know knees lock up and they pass out you know we don't we don't want to do these things we want to keep these things in mind right because we're trying to edify let all things be done unto edifying if any man speak in an unknown tongue let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. Okay. Now, what's he doing right here? He's trying to say, now, if you're going to have someone speak in tongues, make sure you only have one person at a time, Make sure you have someone interpret it. You know why? Because you're not going to bless anybody. You know, nobody's going to get blessed. Well, a few people in here will get blessed. If Brother Manette starts, just gets up and starts quoting the Bible in Spanish. Okay? Those of you who speak Spanish. But what about the rest of us? I don't want to just hear a long passage in Spanish. I'm not going to get anything out. Most of us aren't going to get anything out of that. But at the same time, if he's really going to get blessed by reading this passage, well, all right, let's let him do it. But you know, we want to make sure we bless everybody. Let's have an interpreter do it too. 
Let's do it in Spanish and let's do it in English. But are we going to just let that go on and on where he's like, well, I want to do this one. I want to do this one. But you want to do this one. You know, and, every, and it's just going to go on and on. So you know what he says? Let the prophet speak two or three. Okay? Why? Because if we start doing it more than that, it's not going to be very edifying. It's not going to be done decently and in order. And some of you know who Punk Kyle is who's starting a fake church in San Antonio. This is how he's planned to do services, having multiple speakers in all the services. Because the Bible says let the prophet speak two or three. Everybody wants to try to find some doctrine that they can just all, you know, all in one verse to just set everything up. It's like, hey, moron, have you ever thought about looking at the context of that? He's not giving a command that every service should have two or three preachers. Hey, you know what he's doing? He's trying to set some things in order and he's saying if you're going to be doing this, you know, here's a way you can do it. Now, if we wanted to have two or three guys get up and preach, we can do that. But it, that ought to be done decently in order. You know what we ought to do? If we're going to have two or three people preach, we need ahead of time let people know who is, or let them know who's going to be preaching, and say this is how much time you ought to take, because we want to do all things in edifying. And if everybody gets up and preaches an hour message, not everyone's going to be edified. The guys preaching will be edified for at least their hour, <laughs> yeah. but not everyone's going to be edified through that. So do you all see that verse, let the prophet speak two or three, it's not a command to have two or three speakers every service. He's trying to show them how to actually speak in tongues in an orderly way is what he's trying to do and and to do it in a way that will be edifying. Because church church services should not be a free-for-all Punk Kyle needs to go back and read the rest of this passage and actually get context and just stop trying to figure out a way he can be new and different. Which is what he's trying to do. Now, if a church service decides, if a, if a real church decides, we want two or three speakers every day. I mean, I don't personally think that would be the best way to do it. But can I say that that's scripturally wrong to do that? I don't think I can say it's scripturally wrong. I mean, you could say we do that sometimes when we have our men's preaching nights. But, you know, those things are done decently in order too, aren't they? And you know what? And we have more than three. You know, oh, it says, you know, let's not speak two or three. You know, we can't have more than that. Do you all see what he's trying to do in that? He's trying to set some things in order, how to do it into edifying. He's not just giving a command. You can never let more than three people get up and speak either. That's not what he's trying to do with his passages. But this is how ignorant Novice morons interpret the Bible. They completely miss the context and they zero in on a phrase that writes out good like a rule that they could put on a checklist to show that they keep and no one else does. Okay? That, that is a moronic way of interpreting the Scriptures and I expect nothing more than guys like, from that than guys like Punk Kyle. Okay? That's, uh, I, you know, that guy doesn't even have the Trinity figured out. Uh, so he's not going to get that figured out. But anyway, the, the thing he's trying to show here in these verses, we can't have everyone who comes here have their own agenda. Okay? We have a bulletin here. You know, kind of shows our order of service. Let's everybody know kind of how we're going to do things. The last thing we need is for everyone to bring their own bulletins. Every Sunday, with their own plan, and then try to enforce that plan. What do you think that would look like? You know what it would look like? It looked like the Corinthian church. 
It would look like Punk Kyle's church is going to look once it, once it gets going. And this was probably very common, once again, because the early church, certain customs, practices had not been established yet. Okay? This seems kind of foreign to us because we're used to things. You know, in the typical IFB church in the U.S., you know, we, we pretty much know what to expect, don't we? We have customs, we have traditions that are, are pretty well established. So you usually have a rough idea, but there's always variations, aren't there? There's variations. There's almost no two churches that do everything exactly alike. And that's fine. But when we come together, what takes place is not about any one person. But who typically sets the agenda is the pastor. Why? Because he is the overseer. He's looking out for the whole congregation. So my, in my mind, and my plan, I'm thinking, what benefits the congregation? Now, what would benefit me the most is you know let's throw the song service and praying everything out and I'll give me more preaching time you know that would edify me the most but I'm not trying to just edify me I'm trying to edify everyone else I want to be a blessing to the whole church so it's the pastor's job to watch over the church as a whole and often there's other people in the church they're like these single issue people and they want the pastor to just focus on that and they get bent out of shape when the pastor doesn't go along with their single focus idea. Like some people who want just everything to be soul winning. We can't have fellowshipping going on. Well, I'm sorry, we need fellowship. We need soul winning too. I'm looking out for the congregation as a whole. And just because we have one person, man, they're super hardcore. They just want nothing but soul winning. Well, you know, congratulations. You know, I hope, you know, go ahead and pat yourself on the back. But I'm thinking of the congregation as a whole. And these people, they come into churches with their own agenda, wanting to push their own things, thinking about themselves. That's not right. When you come into a church, it's okay if you have your thing you like the most. You know, if there, maybe, maybe the song service is your favorite time. Maybe the praying part's your favorite time. Maybe the preaching's your favorite. Whatever it is though, you need to be in here for the whole thing. You ought to support the entire program. Why? Because you want to edify everyone and it, one thing that we have a responsibility as a church to do is to be united on these things. That's something God wants. And when we unite, when we come together, what we decide to do, God is with us. God is in on it with us and He supports us and backs us up. There is no set order of service in the Bible. There's only biblical examples. And so we need to try to, and we can use those things. That's fine. Look at verse 29. So it says in verse 29, it says, Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches, of the saints. Paul wanted to make sure everyone was was comforted and everyone benefited from what was going on in the church. But some people only want to come to church to hear themselves talk. Some people want to come to church only to hear themselves sing. I've seen it before in churches when they have Sunday school. You'll have people, they come in, they teach their Sunday school class, they go home and don't stay for the main service. That's wrong. They come to do their own thing because they like their area, they like the thing they do, or they'll come, they sing in the choir, and then the choir goes down, and then they walk right out the back door. They come and they did their thing, they got their little performance in, and now they're out. They're not willing to be here for the rest of it like everybody else. That kind of thing is wicked. That is wrong. 
If you're going to be that way, if you're just, if you're just going to be one of these single issue peoples, you're only going to be involved whenever you're doing your thing, whenever we're doing what you like, then you know what? You, we shouldn't let you do anything in this church. You need to be involved in the whole program because as a church, we are supposed to be united. And if you don't like what we're doing, you need to get with the program. You need to get out. That need, that's the way it ought to be. We're supposed to be united. And the truth is, we have united on these things. And, that, now, and the fact that we've united does not mean that every one of us 100% agree that everything we are doing is the best way to do it. That's not what that means. Okay, Some of you might like it if we sang four songs instead of three songs. I mean, you're convinced four songs would be better. But if you are like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go along with the three to be united, that's okay. And they have united. And just because one nut job wants to come in here and force their way on everyone else, that's not right. They ought to go along with that too. That's admit, because there is no command in the Bible. You have to sing four hymns instead of three. It's just, it's, it's not there. So, either way, we're trying to comfort everyone, we're trying to bless everyone. So, and potential future leaders in the church, it's going to be those who have a mindset who are thinking of the entire church. I've seen it before where you have people, they're kind of in charge of the song service and that's all they care about. They care about the music department in the church. They could care less about everything else. They're not going to be involved in the soul winning. They're not going to be involved in this ministry. No, they've got their thing and that's their area where they work and they don't touch any other area. That's a bad attitude. Okay, uh, you know, especially for someone who maybe wants to be a pastor someday. If you want to be a pastor someday, then you need to have a heart for everything that goes on in the church. You need to be thinking about the church as a whole. Obviously, you might have your area where you're kind of, you know, that's the, something you oversee that you're in charge of, and that's okay if that's a priority to you. But you ought to care what goes on in the rest of the church too, because we are all one body. We are all trying to edify each other, and you ought to try. You ought to want every area of our church to succeed. Whether it's you in charge or someone else, you should look at anyone else's success in this church as your success. That is the attitude of future pastors in the church. And you need, if, that's not, if that's not your heart, man, you need to fix your heart if you want to be a pastor someday. Look at verse 33. So he says, "...but for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints." Let your women keep silence in the churches. And all men said, Amen. But for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What came the Word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Hey, now what's he talking about here? Why did he bring this up? Why did he say all this sexist stuff here about women and keeping silence in the church? Well, there's a very good reason. When, when God is in something, the message will be clear and not confusing. God is not the author of confusion. What message do you think people are going to get if everybody has their own psalm? Everybody's got their own song. Everybody's got their own doctrine. Everybody's got their own thing that they're doing. If our church is just a free-for-all, what are people going to get from that? You know what they're going to get from it? They're going to get nothing. 
They're not, they're going to be confused. They're not going to know what happened. They're not going to know what they were supposed to learn from the service that day. So he's saying God's not the author of confusion. So what does he do? He says, so when it comes to your service, okay, and he's talking specifically about the church service here, okay, he's talking about the ministering that is being done to the saints. You know what he says? He tells the women to be quiet. And I say, no, that's not fair. Okay, why can't the women make any noise? All right. Well, the truth is, once again, I've said this before, the problem is not sound waves coming from the woman's mouth. Because women aren't allowed to sing in church. You know, there's things that women do during service. If you sneeze or yawn or something like that, you know, you're not violating any commandments because a noise came out of your mouth, alright? Because you laughed right now, you know? That, that, what does he say? Because they're supposed to be in subjection. So the thing, when somebody gets up, if they are leading singing, if they are leading anything in the service, you know, that is kind of a position of authority and it is a shame for a woman to be in authority over the man. So he's saying here, when it comes to how things are run in the church, you don't put the women, don't let the women in charge. Don't let them take over the service. If, if we don't have an order of service, it'd be very likely for people to start taking over the service. If it's just a free-for-all and I'm preaching, then all of a sudden, Pastor Tommy, i got something I'd like to add to that. And, I, and people try it before. It's like they want to add stuff, you know? Well, the thing is, sometimes people they'll, they'll like want to talk for a really long time. And by the time they're done telling their story that has nothing to do with my message, all of a sudden, I don't remember what I was talking about. They just mess the service up. And have you ever seen it in the service when, the women, when a woman gets the floor many times, especially when it gets emotional? It's bad, folks. I've been there before after the altar call. Anybody have a testimony? And it's always a woman that raises her hand first. And if she's crying, I, I recommend you find a way to sneak out because you're about to hear a long emotional story that's not going to have nothing to do with anything. And folks, I've got some evidence in my office in the Forbidden Archives of a woman testifying in church that is one of the funniest things that you will ever hear in your life. It, 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 it's, it's funny. Alright? But it's inappropriate. And so, in order to maintain an orderly service, we can't let the women have the floor. <laughs> Why? For one, it's a shame. It's a, one, it's a shame for them to usurp authority over the man. They are not supposed to be in leadership in the church. And two, it's for sure going to get the service out of order real fast. You know, and I'm sorry, that's not politically correct. But I don't think the Bible can get any clearer right there. Okay? It's so, we're in order to keep our order of service what it needs to be, you know, we're not going to put women in charge of things. And, you know, well, you know, what do you say to these. Women that play the piano, that's making a lot of noise during the service. Yeah, but you know, we also have song leaders that they're watching and they're following. Who stop. And I've, had, I've worked with piano players before that have their own mind of their own and want to do their own thing. And they're a nightmare. You know, they want to control the speed of the song. You know, all that stuff, and it's just, that's not how it's supposed to be. But the truth is, you know, do you see if a, if a piano player is following a song leader, how is she usurping his authority? Okay, here's how she could have his authority. He says, alright, we're going to go to the last verse and then she decides she's going to play another verse after that. I wanted to sing another verse. <laughs> or I want to play another you know, and, I, and I've never seen a piano player do that before. But at, at the same time, it's the usurping authority. It's, that, it's getting things out of order. Okay? It's not disorderly to have a lady playing the piano during service. It's not usurping authority. It's not usurping authority to have a lady sing a song. 
during the service as long as they don't let her get up and testify before she starts singing her song and tell a long emotional story about how this song tugs at her heartstrings because, you know, of her, you know, mom that died 14 years ago and the long, you know, just, you know, we don't want that. Okay. And how many has ever been, you ever been there for that? Am I the only one that's ever seen anything like that? It's, it's, it's bad. So, we need to we need to keep this right. You know, church it's not supposed to be an open debate. It, this isn't the time to debate doctrine when the preaching's going on. Now I might get something wrong. I might make a mistake. I might get a fact wrong. During the church service, that's not the time to say, "Well, Pastor, I don't know if that's right exactly." There's another verse in the Bible. I think no, this isn't. That's not the time to talk about it. That's where things are going to get out of order real fast. Okay. And I think I'm a humble person, but if you correct me in the middle of my sermon, I'm going to have a tough time struggling with pride. And chances are, instincts are going to set in, and I'm going to try to convince you I'm right, and then I'm going to get locked into stupid if I'm wrong. Okay? If you actually want me to get it right, don't raise your hand during the service and correct me. Come to me privately after the service and talk to me about it. Okay? That's what you need to do. Like, because we want to keep things in order. We want to keep things decent. It's not open debate. It's not supposed to be taken over by women. It's a shame for women to be in leadership over men. It's not supposed to turn into an a, a emotional drama fest. And that is exactly what's going on in this church right here. That's not edifying. I'm not edified when a mo- woman gets up and for 15 minutes does a sobbing, crying testimony. I'm aggravated greatly. I'm annoyed by that. I, I, you know, in the one case I was about, I was greatly entertained by that. That was that was inter- But you know, churches, it's not inter- entertainment time. First Timothy two eleven says the same thing. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. That's the key. Subjection. They're not to be in leadership. They're not to be taken over. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Okay? Why? Because it is, it's out of order. It's, it's a shame. So, look at verse 38. It says, But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Okay. Now, if we're going to ter- interpret Bibles like the Adam Fannins, the Punk Kyles, and just Ruckmanites, and morons and losers, well, that verse says, But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, if you don't know something already, it's not my job to teach you. If you're just already ignorant, I'm supposed to let you be ignorant. I was going to preach on you know the doctrine of justification tonight, but you all don't know what that is. And the Bible says, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. So, tough luck for you. You're never going to learn it. All right, is that how we're going to interpret that Scripture? That's what it says. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Is that, is that what we're going to do with it? Like a bunch... Man, I'm telling you, man, I'm sick of that type of Bible interpretation. And that is running rampant in churches today. And sadly... There's no exception in the Baptist church. Is he saying not to teach those who are ignorant? Okay, what he's saying is if someone doesn't have anything to say or hasn't been given a prophecy, you know what? Just keep your mouth shut. Okay? If somebody gets up and they speak in tongues and you don't have an interpretation, you have no idea what they said, then you know what? Shut your mouth. You're ignorant. You don't know what they said. You know, it would be like me if Brother Menez got up here and he quoted a bunch of scriptures in Spanish, and then I and then I stand up like I've got the gift of interpretation, 
And I'm just up here because I just really want to. I just really want to be a part of the service. I real. I mean, man, you know, I've always wanted to be the interpreter guy. But you know what? I'll tell you what he said. It's from the Word of God. And if it's from the Word of God, it's all good. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, is that what he said? Okay. No, but what am I doing? I'm getting up here and I'm changing the subject and I'm going off in a la-la land. Why? Because I want to hear myself talk. Okay. But the truth is, I'm ignorant. I don't know what he said. And if I'm going to be ignorant, I might, then let's let me be ignorant. Hopefully somebody else knows what he said and they can interpret it. That's what that's talking about right there. Okay. Once again, we're keeping things in order. Let everything be done decently and in order. And it's just out of order when people just get up. I, I, there, there was um, some people that used to go to our church when I was at my dad's church. They went and visited this Southern Baptist church and they said they would, they quit going to this church because they'd just show up and the pastor, he'd just, he'd just walk up to the platform and, well, um, I guess we'll sing a song. Alright, uh, you know, turn your, turn your song. You know, he'd just randomly pick a songbook and it was like, he had no plan. And then he would get up. And it's like, well, I guess it's time to preach. Um, well, why don't you go to First Corinthians? 4? You know, he would just go to a random place, and they just start talking about it. The guy had no plan. The guy put no effort. He just, he just, but he liked being up on stage. You know, everybody waiting on him to see what he's going to do. Now that's that's out of order right there. That's inappropriate. But imagine if it was him competing with about ten other guys. You know, to just do whatever they feel like doing at the moment. Can you imagine that? That's the kind of junk that was going on in this church. There was no order to what was going on. Thankfully for this guy, this was a Southern Baptist church. Even in the Southern Baptist church, they have usually have a pretty, you know, decent order of service where it's one guy at a time doing something. So he didn't have ten other guys competing with him. Paul kind of fixed all that junk in the early church, and we haven't really had much trouble with that. You know, at least in Baptist churches, uh, in my lifetime. But it, it, either way, it's what we got to do is make sure whatever we do, it's decently and in order. That's that's what he's trying to teach. So we shouldn't just let someone get up and ramble about nothing when the Lord hasn't given them anything. If you don't have anything to say, then just don't say anything. I got nothing. All right. So then sit down and let somebody who has something say something. When we're doing prayer requests, don't raise your hand if you don't even have a prayer request. Well, what's your prayer request? Well, I don't have one. Why'd you raise your hand? I just really wanted to hear myself talk. I thought I'd think of something when you pointed at me, but I got nothing. But you know what? Shut up and put your hand down. Hey, you're, you're annoying everybody. That's not right. So wherefore, brethren, verse 39 covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Okay? See, no one is going to be edified when everybody's just doing their own thing. And we ought to have a desire. We ought to want to prophesy. But that prophesying, you know, and even speaking in tongues, you know, back in those days, either way, what he's saying in here, if you have you it's okay for you to have a desire to preach. But your desire to preach or your desire to prophesy needs to be done to edify. And you're not going to edify people. If you're just doing your own thing 
only thinking about yourself. These things need to be done in order. He's saying here, you know, don't forbid, you know, forbid not to speak with tongues. He was saying there's a time and a place for this. Don't stop it. Don't get rid of it. If you're, but if you're going to do it, do it right. Some people, they've thrown out a lot of things in the song service. Why? Because things get out of order. No, don't throw out the song service. Just get those things in order that you're supposed to have in order. You know, if there's things that we're doing in our church that get out of order, if a part of our service gets out of order, we don't need to throw that part of our service out. We just need to get it back in order. That's what we need to do. And that's why it says in verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. At the end of the day, what he's trying to do in this chapter is not tell everyone exactly how a church service be run because there are many ways that a church service could be run. He's trying to get their service in order. People are coming to church, but they're not being blessed because everyone's doing their own thing. Everything's chaotic. Church is not supposed to be a free-for-all. We're supposed to take what we do seriously. And that's what Paul's dealing with in this chapter. And we're not, we don't need to go to this passage. We don't need to go to the book of Acts and just find every little thing that they did and then say this is the only way it can be done. No, we need to look for examples like that and then look at our situation, what we've got going on here, and say what's the best way to do things? What would edify our church the most? And then we have the right, we have the authority to make that decision. And when we make that decision, God's with us on it. Jesus Christ is in on that decision. And what we do is according to His will. Our church service then is according to the Bible. And so if you are a part of this church, you know how you obey the Bible? You go along with our program. Unless our program violates clear Scripture, you ought to go along with it. That is how you follow God in that situation. And if you do, if you just like some other church's order of service better, and when the rest of us are singing, you're praying. When the rest of us are praying, you're singing. You're out of order. You're out of line. You're in violation against the Word of God. You're going against the authority of God. And you need to get out. We're not going to have a free-for-all in Liberty Baptist Church. And I, I, and I believe 1 Corinthians 14 kind of gives us some examples. And we're going to do all things decently and in order, not just in our order of service, but in many other areas in the church. And we'll cover those things in future weeks. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. I pray You'll help us to not be lazy and sloppy in how we interpret the Scriptures. Lord, help us not be careless with Your Word, but help us to be diligent. Help us to take things according to context and in the right spirit and apply it in the right way. And I pray that we will do everything decently in order. Lord, You've given us a wonderful group of people here. Lord, You've given us a great facility. You've blessed us with many things. And I pray You'll help us as a congregation when it comes to the areas where You have given us authority to make decisions. I pray we'll do these things in a proper way. We'll do things decently and in order in a way that will please You. And I pray You'll bless us for it. And in Your name we pray. Amen. Let's